Welcome to the Wellness and Healthy Lifestyle Show on your VOCM. Now here's your host, Dr. Mike Wall. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Wall. Have you ever wondered why some people just seem to cope with stress better or able to rebound after a stressful event that may send some of us spinning? Well, surprisingly, you can train this ability much like we can train for a marathon, except in this case, it's the marathon of life. So today we're chatting with an expert who's been able to uncover many of these secrets to high performance. Mark Champagne is founder of Behind the Human, a podcast that explores the stories and experiences of successful individuals in a variety of fields. Mark is a seasoned entrepreneur, podcast host, and author, and he has a passion for learning and sharing insights on what makes people successful. Now, he's interviewed hundreds of high-performing individuals, including business leaders, athletes, artists, and authors, to understand their journeys and distill their lessons into practical takeaways for listeners. So today, we'll dive into Mark's own story, exploring the pivotal moments and choices that led him to where he is today. We'll also discuss the key themes and patterns he's observed in interviews and how we can apply these insights into our own lives. It's a toolbox we can all benefit from. So let's get to our interview with Mark. Hey, Mark. Welcome to the show. Thanks, brother. It's, I'm happy to be here. I I already love your energy. I can't wait to uh, to record. Oh, daily. Listen, I'm looking forward to it too. This is a topic that I'm passionate about. I always love picking the brains of people who pick the brains of other people for a living <laughs> yes. and take their best best information and share it with people. But for people that are listening who may not have come across you before, can you give me a bit about yourself and your background and how you kind of got into this field? Yeah, I mean, in short, I guess. Uh, I, I'm just someone that is just very curious and is a bit obsessed with good quality reflective questions. And and I happen to somehow have stumbled across uh, upon making that my job to, you know, study the minds of of people that ask those questions and then curate them and and put them together with mental fitness practices so that we can, you know, at at, at the beginning just feel good, which I think we all deserve to feel good good more days than not and then you know the byproduct of that as well just be able to think clearly make good decisions and kind of like hear what's in the whispers right that's usually hidden when we're we're cluttered up with all this mental pollution and, and noise um but how i got into it is it, a little bit by accident i mean i never had any intention uh i mean when i was in university podcasting didn't even exist as as i'm sure is the same thing for you i uh, had no desire to obviously create a show or anything like that I had no desire to write a book on this topic and and had no idea that this would be the but the the path but i say i, I kind of landed into this space by by accident because i did spend about a, a decade in the corporate world in sales and then primarily product management and throughout that career just i started reading and learning about other you know motivational humans people that were known for you know doing good thinking um you know putting great work out into this world and it, it honestly, you know, it didn't take very long to realize that they were all asking really good, high quality, reflective questions along their journey and their path. And that led me into a journaling practice that I've had for about probably 15 years now. And, you know, there's some flavor in between that, but essentially I went, you know, went from that, that career to the entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial world, launched a mental fitness app. I reached a bunch of people and, um, you know, really that's catapulted me into this space. Yeah. And when you say a bunch of people, it's not just a bunch of people. How many was that? Just to the number. <laughs> that's, it's that's the Canadian me coming yeah. out, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it, we reached 86.9 million 
people uh, in the first two years of of being on the in the app store. And I mean, th- those aren't downloads, but those are app store impressions. And there's there multiple six figures uh, of, of people using the product, which. You know, I, I still, whenever I say that, I know it by heart, obviously, because a, I'm I'm proud of it, but also, you know, it it did lead to a little bit of a, a mental destruction when at one point uh, we had to actually delete that app from the store. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's going to be an important thing. We'll talk about overcoming and how you sort of have come to these conclusions and, and to look deeper into these philosophies. But maybe you could start by explaining the overall concept of what like mental fitness really is for people listening. Yeah. I mean, in its simplest form, mental fitness, from my perspective, is is it's kind of like an umbrella term. It's really anything that you're doing to train your mind to work for you instead of against you. And that includes mental health, that includes mental resiliency, performance, optimization, like anything that you can think about. And the the, the reason that the at least I started using the terminology was when I was running that journaling app or mental fitness app was because you know, anytime you would talk about mental health and it's still, it's getting better, but it's still like this today. We, we kind of default to, okay, mental health, I'm pulling myself out of a hole in a way, which um, it's good that we're speaking about this and, and, and making it accessible and more comfortable and giving people the permission to talk about it, but it doesn't feel very motivating, you know, speaking from that term, term where, Mental fitness, just like physical fitness, is something that we can decide to do or explore, and it includes mental health, right? So for me, I you know I, I try to stay within kind of that that umbrella term and and do everything possible, and and this is this is how all my work kind of lines up, but do everything possible to just to to unpack and and explore like the million different avenues, just like just like physical fitness. I mean, if you don't like to, you know, spin or run, that doesn't rule out all of exercise, right? Yeah. There's like so many other things you can do. So it's yeah. just, how do you find, you know, how do you find the practices, the rituals, the activities that, you know, if you do those things, put a smile on your face, make you feel good mm-hmm. and, and start there. And that's really what a lot of our shows about too. We, we realize that there are really significant acute medical conditions like mental health circumstances that need medical attention at this moment. But a lot of the times we wait until we're sick to get treatment. And we have a huge responsibility as people to be able to take some of that in our own hands to just like we would train ourselves so we don't pull a hamstring playing softball the weekend in the summer. Same sort of thing when it comes to our mental health. And I love that concept of what preventative maintenance can we do? What habits can we do to make ourselves as conditioned in case that really traumatic event yeah. comes at us that could maybe wipe us out or maybe we could withstand it just a little bit beat up, a little bit tired, but we could get through it. And totally. I think that concept is it's hugely relevant for today well there's 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 and there's a preventative side of course which i spend a lot of time talking about but then there's also just the recovery piece that most people don't speak about you speak about this in athletics you know if you have top level athletes going all out on the basketball court there's a huge chunk of recovery practices at the tail end of that and if you think of kind of what we do to our minds it's like we we, we put our minds through a 12-hour hit workout day in and day out and for for many do nothing to recovery or recover or replenish our minds and and give it you know give our minds some time to breathe and clear out and and regenerate which you know there's no surprise uh, at least to me or I'm not shocked to see that we we do have a mental health crisis it, i mean it's it's obvious that that this kind of you know society that we live in and the way that we're operating uh, will lead to something like that so that's for like for me 
we need the reminders and they're so simple. This, you know, there's post-it note kind of practices that I've, I've picked up from Olympians that you would think, oh, wow, that's the Olympic level mental fitness. It's so simple, but it's just these, these little reminders to bring us back on track when we're, when we get pushed into autopilot of, you know, fear type headlines or, you know, just the stress of all the content coming at us and, and just life in general. Right. Yeah. And there is a lot of stress. And I think about Newfoundland in particular, this time of year, super gloomy here, dark, cold, yeah. you know, tough in the mental health. But you talked about these skills that you acquire over time. You talked about your journaling. But when I learned about physical fitness, because that was my background, I first started, I, I learned a lot by doing and trying. And then I learned from experts and everything else. So you have been able to learn from a lot of people and you've been able to compile resources. So tell me a bit about the book that you wrote. And then also after that, we'll get into your podcast. I think that's important for people to know those resources exist because we're not taught about it in school so they need to go find them and yeah you're a great source for that oh well well thank you i mean the book is uh the, the book came out of the podcast in the sense that um there's there are interviews that uh are are on the podcast then the idea was well, well how can i go a little bit deeper than just that one conversation and leverage that person's story to surface some reflective prompts that anyone can use and kind of went the step a uh, step further to think about you know, even though some of the, the people that are, are on the podcast are quite famous for their work or their, their best-selling authors and whatnot, like not everyone knows, you know, James Clear, for example, uh, the author of Atomic Habits, but everyone kind of knows Picasso or Jane Austen or Kobe Bryant or Robin Williams. So then there's a whole other flavor to the book of people that have passed that everyone knows and that have their kind of their own unique story and and set of insights and work that they've left us behind. So then I studied them to, from a mental fitness angle to see, well, what can what can we, what can we allow Robin Williams or Kobe or Jane Austen or Maya Angelou to inspire in our own journey based on where we're at in our lives? And that's where these these chapters started to originate that are short, di digestible, three to five pages long, and they all start with a big opening prompt. And there's there's follow up questions that help guide us through, like Robin Williams is how can I be unapologetically myself? And okay, well, how do you how do you do that? Like, how do we unpack? You know, to being to being the real us, not the not the facade that we may put on at work or even on our personal life, or you know, we get stuck in comparison mode and whatnot. But like the real you, like can we? Let's just take a minute and give ourselves that opportunity to go there. And then you know, then there's the the book is of course littered with different uh, practices to help you know provide a container for those prompts so that they're, you know, they're not huge and they don't feel like they're, you know, we're taking on the weight of the world by trying to unpack questions like who am I or who am I striving to become and so forth. Another thing though, I think is really important though, is repeated exposure in different ways. People learn in different ways. People learn by reading a book. They learn by watching television. They also learn by listening. So when I contacted you, I see you're in a beautiful sound booth. You've got your proper mic, you got your headset. I know my job editing this is going to be a lot easier when it comes to sound mixing as a result. And I'm very grateful for that. But you are also uh, very experienced at hosting your own podcast. So how can people find that? And and what what's the topics you face with that? Yeah, thank you. I, I appreciate it. Uh, the, I mean, the show is called Behind the Human. And I mean, as you can probably guess, I'm the, the tagline is, is that I'm unpacking the stories and mental fitness practices of, of people living at the top of their game, personally and professionally. Mm -hmm. And the idea is that 
there's no you, you won't find one specific category of people there they range from michelin star chefs to writers designers cafe owners i mean the first interview was out of montreal canada when i was start when i was working on the app in a cafe before i'd go into work and that was the you know the the first conversation to again just provide the perspective of well, here's this cafe that looks from the outside that's booming, full of people. But when I'm having the conversation with the owner, he's stressed about making payroll. So what are you doing then to, you know, to release that pressure? So it's conversations like that that you know, I like to think that are are relatable to anyone. That's Mark Champagne, founder of Behind the Human, a podcast that explores the stories and experiences of successful individuals in a variety of fields. We'll be right back after the break. On VOCM, it's Open Line with your host, Patty Daly. Join the conversation each morning from 9 a.m. to noon on your VOCM. We get people talking. Welcome back. We're here with Mark Champagne, founder of Behind the Human, a podcast that explores the stories and experiences of successful individuals in a variety of fields. He's sharing some of the key takeaways from his philosophy of mental fitness. Let's get back to the interview. Just as important as what is it, what is it not? What are the misconceptions associated with mental fitness? Because I'm guessing there's a lot more than we think. Well, the biggest one that I come up against is that it's it's hard and it's something that, you know, I have to completely blow up my current routine or uh, rituals to actually incorporate where it, it couldn't be farther from the truth. I mean, of course, it's like anything. You you can go to that extreme, just like for physical fitness. You know, you can decide today that, okay, I'm going to run a marathon and I'm going to start with, you know, an hour and a half run, which is probably not advisable if you haven't ru- ran before. Uh, you, you know, you've got to work your way up to that. Um, but with mental fitness, the, the biggest thing that, you know, I could suggest for people or invite people to, to think about is just take a look at your current day and your current rituals and routines. And when I say rituals, is something as simple as, do, you know, do you have a, a first coffee in the morning or do you let that tea steep or a glass of water? Or do you look out the window and, you know, in, in terms of the, the place of the world where you live, I mean, you're surrounded by beautiful water. You know, are you staring out into that water? Well, there's the point where you can check in with yourself. How do I feel today? One word, you know, where do I feel that in my body? Now, now just in those two questions, you've identified some emotion that whether you want, whether you ask those questions or not, those emotions are rolling into the day with you and affect everything. So you can, you know, just by taking that time, you can release it by identifying, first of all, identifying where it is or well, what's fueling? If I if I answer that question, when I feel a bit stressed and I feel tightness in my in my chest, well, what's fueling that anxiety or that that tightness? Cut the fuel. Mm-hmm. Right? As simple as that. As simple as, and like it that takes two minutes. Or we can do for a lot of people and, and myself included. Uh, I've really been enjoying breath work, guided breath work, doing three four minutes to start the day. Uh, you feel like a million bucks. You, you can feel it physically. And if you're doing any kind of breath holds, you can stack in those those questions, right? How do I want to show up today? Uh, what can I celebrate about today? And so forth. And it's just a way, you know, Mike, to start the day on your own terms without, you know, letting your phone, email, social media, or s- outside circumstances dictate how you're going to start your day and feel. Mm-hmm. I would yeah. start there. 
Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I mean, you know, we know, like, but looking at what happens, I studied endocrinology, like when you're in the fight or flight response, just by naming it and being conscious of it, you can reduce the impact of that. And by breathing, yeah. which is something we usually don't think about, by thinking about that, we can take that unnatural rapid breath coming from that stress, the anxiety, the, you know, the Mondays or whatever it is, and you can name it and then then you can pause it, you can bring it down, and then you can control it. But most people, I think, now correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I think a lot of people are constantly living in this state of turmoil without being aware of it at all. So it's like unconscious incompetence, right? Yeah, well, and that's why the check-in question is so important because what, what end up, ends up happening is that the, as you do that, first of all, you know, it doesn't take very much time and you'll feel it immediately just by checking in with yourself. But then you're then you're tra- just like physical fitness, you're training that muscle, you're training that curiosity to show up more and more. And then you'll start seeing boosts in self-awareness. So then now in the middle of the day, when something throws you off, because it's, it, it's nonstop, right? Like it's, it, you, you can't avoid it. And it's not about suppressing emotions. It's about acknowledging that, oh, there they are again, but not letting them hijack the rest of your day. Cause that's when it gets, you know, that's when we get into, you know, a tricky place where, it becomes, oh, well, the whole afternoon is shot. And then it rolls into the next day and day and day after day. The next thing you know, you find your, that's when you find yourself into a men, in, in a mental health situation, right? Like that just doesn't just come up overnight. There's, there's usually signs just like, you know, when your, your neck starts to get tight or your, your shoulders are tight and you're like, ah, I think I need a massage, a massage. Maybe there's some ergonomics there with wherever you're working, but usually there's some mental tension that is sparking that, right? So with these kind of questions and check-in practices, you can pick that stuff up, right? Same thing with like middle of the day, something throws you off, some gratitude. I mean, for everyone listening, you can try this right now. I guarantee this will flip your mind into a great state because anytime you layer in gratitude and you know this from your studies, I mean, you're giving yourself a a beautiful neurochemical cocktail of serotonin and dopamine, all the feel-good emotions. So here's the prompt. If you could give credit or thanks to one person that you don't give enough credit or thanks to, who would that be? Don't overthink it. Just write that person's name down. And then send them a message. Hey, was just thinking about you. Hope you have a great day. And if they're not around today, if they've passed, you can send that same message with your eyes closed and kind of energetically, and you'll you'll feel the effects of that. But if they are here, what typically happens, now you've made their day, they send a reply, make your day, and what's not happening while all of that loop is going on is not the looping unwanted emotions that have hijacked your mind in the first place. Mm. Now you're back into a thriving state. Like that's what I mean by it's, you can do this instantly. And on the back of my book, I, and I really believe this and I've, I've, I've lived it. Um, I really do believe we're all one question away from a completely different life at any point or one question away as, as kind of demonstrated right now from a different mood at mm. any point. Yeah, I, I can believe that. And I, I've heard that term or something similar coined like emotional agility. And, yeah. you know, like I, I somebody described it, what is it? Somebody takes $10,000 for your bank account, which is, and you've got $86,000 in there. And that $1,000 is equivalent to a 15 minute meeting in seconds and 86,000, how many seconds in the day? And <laughs> would you ever give somebody the rest of the bank account if they stole a thousand bucks? God, no, you never would. But people yeah. do it with bad moods all the time. Somebody ruins, gets a bad interaction at the coffee shop and your whole day is gone. So yeah. this emotional agility, do you, do you ever use those terms or do you call it checking in and then being able to like switch it with some sort of physical behavior as opposed to just acknowledging it yeah i mean i i try to keep like th- th- that's what i mean by the umbrella term mental fitness emotional emotional agility i've heard you know emotional resilience a mental performance i mean it's all to me 
you know, you can you can research and pull up all the studies linked yeah. to those kind of keywords, uh, which is fantastic. But I just try to keep things super practical. Yeah. It's like take a couple breaths. Like we all have to breathe. We don't think about it. Take a couple breaths. You feel it immediately. And then here are some prompts. And and if if we can stay consistent with practices like that, that make us feel good. And for me, you know, for me, that's journaling. For me, that's breath work or taking a long walk and physical exercise, mountain biking, big one for me. Um, I'm on the East Coast right now and it's 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 you know winter and I'm snowboarding. So it's mm-hmm. um like those are the things that I'm constantly trying to make sure that are injected into my calendar. Um more days than not, because I know they put my mind in in the right space. So for everyone else as well, like just list out five or 10 things, activities, rituals, practices that, you know, make you feel good. Mm -hmm. And you'll start feeling, you'll, you'll start feeling the benefits of having those, you know, injected or, or tacked on to existing, uh, you know, meetings or activities that you have in your calendar. And they don't have to be, you know, like, oh, I have to take the whole afternoon off to do this. It's just 10 minute walk after lunch. Try that out. Breathe some fresh air. Reset your mind for the afternoon. It's it, the smallest of things. Yeah. And I think that's that's really important. It's sort of like exercise is universally good for people as long as you're able to do it. And a lot of the time in the show, we might deal with a specific topic, a type of cancer, a type of medical condition. But in this case, how applicable is this? How many people out there can benefit from some form of mental fitness regimen in their life? Well, I'll, I'll just, I mean, I'll answer that with a question. How many of you know someone and or, or are you someone that would like more control of your mind? I mean, I, I would say everyone says yes. Uh, I know I would. And I mean, I'm surrounded by these practices day in and day out. But, you know, I don't I don't wake up leaping out of bed every single morning. I, I do more days than not because I do put in the work with mental fitness and it's possible. But, you know, when my mind's hijacked, you know, I, I, I lean on those practices as well. Right. And I just, again, I think I said this earlier, but I just think we deserve to feel good. And there's a ripple effect to that. I mean, people around us then feel good as well. And then based on, you know, whatever you're doing in life, like that's where, that's where more ideas come up or you start seeing the, you know, clear path forward or, you know, um, you, you know, you, you come up with these ideas that can, can change the world. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm being very grandiose on this, but Mm It's that's where it all. I mean, that's those are the themes that I pick up with all of these these incredible performers. They're not doing anything out like crazy in terms of practices. They're just consistent, and they focus on stilling their mind, letting their mind breathe, so that they can actually surface what's all there and that we all have. And and you know we're we're incredibly brilliant human beings. We just need to let our minds do it, uh, and not you know be held back by all of the outside circumstances that throw us off and put us in those uh, fear states and survival states. That's Mark Champagne, founder of Behind the Human, a podcast that explores the stories and experiences of successful individuals in a variety of fields. We'll be right back after the break. Nutrition, exercise, keeping the cold at bay. Whatever keeps you feeling great, the Wellness and Healthy Lifestyle Show on your VOCM. Welcome back. We're here with Mark Champagne, founder of Behind the Human, a podcast that explores the stories and experiences of successful individuals in a variety of fields. He's sharing some of the key takeaways from his philosophy of mental fitness. Let's get back to the interview. 
Can you give a framework of like a few things people could try and how they could integrate those to start to make that change direction? Because I'll give you an example. One, one saying I love, and it was from the founder of Patagonia. He said he used to mountain climb and he would get mm. to a cliff. And sometimes he would get to that cliff and he couldn't go any further. And instead of thinking he went the wrong way, he realized that when he turned around and went back, he was still facing forward. Oh, nice. I like yeah. that. Yeah. I like that a lot. I mean, I, I think... The, the easiest way to do this is to surround yourself with good, I call it good, positive mental nutrition. And, you know, that could be, that could be starting the day reading a few pages out of a book or uh, a carefully curated podcast list, you know, that, you know, if you listen to even five minutes of an interview that you're going to be left in a thriving mental state. Cause we just, we just need those perspective shifts. No matter what you're going through, if you can read or bring in, and I use Stoic philosophy often, uh, I always have a, a something around uh, philosophy, leaning beside the coffee maker, and I'll I'll read a page of that, and 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 that's what sparked the idea to write uh, a chapter on Marcus Aurelius. And like, here's someone that you know from the beginning of time has been journaling and talking about these topics. That if you if you if you modernize the English, you wouldn't even be able to tell it's a different era. It's like, oh, he's talking about, you know, I'm just trying to get to vacation or, you know, in his case too, in those times, you know, I, I can't remember how many, but something like 12 or 13 of his kids died. Uh, like we can't even fathom that happening once. And, and, and of course people do go through that. And, you know, I've, I've got friends that have, and, and it's, uh, you know, it's obviously incredibly challenging, but in those circumstances, when you read about something like this, sometimes it's just a small little unlock of, okay, well, he made it through yep. and here's what he did or so forth. And you just find those little bits of, of inspiration to bring you back and give you that hope and, and, and confidence to, to keep moving forward. Mm. I, I couldn't agree with that more. I mean, one of the things has opened my eyes to how fortunate we are in the world is travel and uh, going yeah. to some places in the world that aren't necessarily places that people would choose to go to have the best time, but to more of a place that educates you just how fortunate we are. And, you know, especially here in Newfoundland, like you said, we're surrounded by nature. We've got all these great things. And yes, of course, we have some challenges in our community because all communities do have challenges. Yeah. But in general, we're all really lucky. And so um, having that perspective, I think, is really important. And sometimes people go through that perspective by going through tough times themselves and then they they learn to deal with that and other times they can use other people's examples and that's why having like you said this curated list is so important so if people are going to you know improve their mental fitness what should they be prioritizing throughout each day to make sure they stay on track well for i mean the first step two big questions i think everyone should just think about and you don't have to make them uh, even even labeling big i shouldn't have done that it's look at these questions as uh, something exciting and that will provide clarity moving forward and so forth. And, and, and they set the goalposts of, of the whole journey. Who am I right now? You know, just get real clear, not titles, avoid the job titles and all that stuff. Just who are you, you know, and that evolves over time. And then who am I striving to become or who do I want to be? And not to say, again, no judgment, not to say that, oh, I'm so far from that place. You know, I've, I've messed up here, messed up there. It's not that it's, we're all striving to grow in some capacity. I think it's Tony Robbins that says this, you know, the, the, the key to happiness is progress is, is that sense and that feeling of making progress, whether that's with a project or with our lives uh, themselves. Right. So setting those posts and then, then it's just an audit. 
well, you know, how, how far am I from that, that desired state? And do, does my calendar do, do my habits and systems, like everything in between those two points, are those things supporting me to get into that path or actually pushing me farther away? Mm -hmm. And that's where you start is, is slowly making those small adjustments. You know, if it's, you want to be healthier and you, you, you want to feel better from a nutrition standpoint. Okay. Well, let's take a look at the, the eating habits, right? Where can you make some small adjustments? Maybe you want to cut, cut out one drink per week, start there. Right. And, and then check in with yourself. Well, how did I feel on the day that I didn't have any alcohol versus the, the day I did? How did I sleep? Right. Or if I cut out some sugar or reduced, like just small little things like that. And then you start feeling those micro wins and they stack. And then all of a sudden you start seeing the change. I love micro wins because this is why diets and all these different fads fail because people go too far, you know, and, yeah. and knowing that better is great. Fantastic. Zero to a one. Great. One to a two. Great. Just like a nine to a 10 is great, but not as necessary for most people. You know, so I, I agree with that. These little micro habits that it's okay to not be perfect, to, to pick and choose little things. And I guess people will be looking for some sort of feedback. And I always looked at in science, it was always like you had to pick one or two variables because if not, some would just be by chance and it ruins your statistics and it's not valid and blah, blah, blah. When I was doing wellness, I used to pick as many variables as possible to see that if there was an improvement anywhere, we were going to detect that and we were going to celebrate yeah. that because that might be the right variable for you. How do people chart their progress or see improvements? What are some experiences you've heard from people when they start to like, oh my gosh, it's starting to work? Well, I mean, I, I just, I follow habits and I just, I track them. I, or I should say I follow my mood and I try to associate my mood. Uh, and, and it's not just once a day. I, I use a mood tracker. What is it called? Uh, I use an app at this point, but you can do this in so many different ways. Find something that works for you. I use Dailyo, um, which is the app. And I think I'm, I'm using, I don't, I think I'm using a free version of that, but basically what it allows you to do is uh, chart your mood but then associate it with you, like you can set up your own categories. Uh, like I have sleep, you know, did I sleep well or poorly or whatever the case work tasks was, you know, I know 100% and I'll put this in my entry today, any interview, whether it's me interviewing someone or I'm being interviewed, leaves me in a flow state and energized. Mm -hmm. So those days and those, those moments I know will, will energize me. Mm -hmm. So obviously I try to have as, as many uh, of those tasks on the calendar and then, then just charting everything else, right? Like the activities, the mental fitness um, interactions. And then you start picking up the, the trends and you can see it, right? And like, okay, well, I know. And then I have two, I have two health related um, uh, habits I'm tracking and, and one's alcohol, like just reducing alcohol consumption to, you know, only the weekend, not having any drinks during, during the week. And I'm, I'm not talking about, you know, like four to five drinks on the, I'm talking about just one. Yeah. Um, and just seeing the, 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 the effects of that. And same thing with, uh, reducing any kind of, uh, you know, uh, processed foods and whatnot and just following that and seeing how that that's affecting my mood like all of this stuff regardless of what you track it's just, it's data mm -hmm. and then with the data then at least we know we can either make a decision or not right and and ideally make the decision that you know leads us down the path of again where we're trying to go and since we're clear on that by asking those who are you questions mm -hmm. um then it's then it's attached to something right 
and you can you can see those results and so forth. Plus, you'll just I mean, I'm biased with journaling, of course, but you see it on the page. Like I can see if I if I open up an old journal or I use a whole bunch of different tools, journals, uh, digital ones to uh, print notebooks to whatever's in front of me and, and, you know, in the moment to like margins of a book, but you, you go back and you can see what you're, what you've been surfacing or writing about. And, you know, maybe six months have passed and you're like, wow, that's um, either, either, wow, I'm still thinking about the same things or the same things are bothering me. So that's a, that's a data point or like, oh, I've, I've really that, like that doesn't bother me anymore. I've, I've processed that. That's Mark Champagne, founder of Behind the Human, a podcast that explores the stories and experiences of successful individuals in a variety of fields. We'll be right back after the break. Join us for On Target, one hour in which Linda Swain examines topics that mean the most to you. On Target, weekday afternoons at 1 on your VOCM. Welcome back. We're here with Mark Champagne, founder of Behind the Human, a podcast that explores the stories and experiences of successful individuals in a variety of fields. He's sharing some of the key takeaways from his philosophy of mental fitness. Let's get back to the interview. You mentioned something that I think is really important, and I think that some people may have heard of, but a lot of people may not have, and that's flow state, because I'm a big believer in flow state, and, and I have had experiences with that before, so maybe I'll let you I'll let you define it and tell people what it is. Yeah, well, I should reference, uh, if, if, if you really want to go deep, I did interview Stephen Kotler uh, a couple times, who is well-known in the in the flow state uh, community and does a lot of research around this. Uh, but essentially, flow state flow states uh, in its in their simplest forms is it's basically those moments where it feels like time slows down or stops, and like you're just engrossed in whatever you're doing uh, in all the right ways. You know, you just you feel good. Um, you know, an hour feels like you know three minutes, kind of thing, and you're just flowing. You know, uh, to, to kind of use a pun, um, things start to happen. People show up, you know, you see things that you don't normally see and and, and so forth. And usually, I mean, the, the, the ways that those states are, are most, uh, I think, known or, or accessed are in some sort of physical exercise. It's like, you know, when you're on that run and you have the idea that just surfaces or uh big reason why I, I do everything possible at least once a week, even to pick up my son from school and we go to the ski hill because the science does support when you like, I'll go into flow state when snowboarding that that state flow states can also induce really nice creativity. And that creativity can last up to, I think it's three or four days post flow state. So, I mean, you're, it's not just in the moment. I mean, you're getting that benefit. When I was writing the book, I, I, especially when I felt like I was blocked, I mean, I would just stop, take a few breaths and I'd go even 30 minutes, you know, hit the hill. Um, seems like I was always doing the stuff in, in the winter clearly, but, uh, if it was a summer, would have met mountain Canada. biking. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But, but you know, like how, how good is that? Because when you go from another standpoint of work, okay. People are like, I don't have time to take five minutes to breathe. I don't have time to go for a walk in the outdoor park, which is close to my office. I don't have time to do this, this, and this not realizing that it's likely going to improve their productivity dramatically. You yeah. also have assisted organizations. If somebody's listening to this, they have an organization, they're trying to foster creativity. They're trying to create a healthy mental state in the office. How can that be employed by organizations? Yeah. Well, here's the, I mean, here's the blunt truth of it. I mean, as soon as our, 
as soon as our minds stop working or if they're cluttered and and just clogged up with uh, a bunch of uh, you know unwanted emotions and just looping I, I mean just just ask yourself like are you able to surface your best ideas and and thinking in those states or make your best decisions and the the answer is typically no i mean it's really hard to do that and uh if you do it just feels like one big you know kind of grind after another so often you know in organizations minds are are tired they're full they're stressed uh just just with the work but then you layer on everything that's happening outside of work as well personally so you know, I'm I'm obviously again biased with this, but if you put the attention on thriving minds, then with thriving minds, brands then thrive and companies then thrive, and people also have a good time doing it because they feel more connected with themselves, with their peers, and are just having a good time. And that's you know that's when things really start to shift and move. So for me, when I whenever I'm working with a team. Again, just kind of like the flavor of this conversation, it's not about blowing up the whole uh, you know process they have. It's about, okay, well, let's look at the calendar year and which team meetings you have coming up, the big planning, business reviews, strategy sessions, and let's inject some mental fitness to A, prime the minds for the people that are going to be there so that you're going to get the best out of those meetings and, and that thinking, but then also blow out some of that, you know, that, that mental clutter. So people feel good and start to build the practices, the preventative practices that are personalized to them specifically so that this stuff can be retained and they can continue evolving. And then everyone benefits, you know, long-term with this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think about that, you know, people tend to focus so much on work that they deprioritize the things that are going to make them better in so many different ways. Don't have time to exercise. I'm too busy. Don't have time to eat right. I'm stuck at my desk, all these different things. You know, how does that apply? So say even an organization doesn't jump on board, but somebody's listening to this and they, they want to be a high performer. They want to do better. They want to get more out of their day for various reasons. Um, how will that impact both their personal and their professional lives if they start to prioritize this? Well, you'll, you'll start to see, yeah. I mean, you'll start to see, boosts in uh, just clarity in general you'll it'll it's interesting as you as you start deploying some of these practices there's almost um i i experienced this myself you almost start you have like a a boost in self-awareness which almost feels like you're doing you know worse because but now you're because you're now you're noticing a lot more than it's always been there but you're like wow am i am I full on depressed or am I full on anxious right now? And, and maybe you are, um, but you know, at least you know what's happening. And then again, like you can, you can, you can leverage some of these practices to flip out of it and, and so forth. So just, uh, you know, I don't want to say a warning, but just, this is normal. Like yeah. you may feel this as you start deploying this stuff, but then when it comes to like your thought process, again, this is where you start seeing, that's why I call myself a mental fitness strategist. I don't consider myself a coach or a therapist or anything like that. I come from a background of strategy. And just like when we put together a brand strategy for a company for some direction, um, you like we can do the same thing for our minds. So when you start doing that, then all of a sudden your mind's clear, you're more focused, you're more intentional, you're less reactive when stuff happens in the day. You start hearing things in these meetings or you start picking up, especially in sales, you start picking up the things that aren't being said that are the real unlocks in, in what you're doing because you're present. Yeah. You know, like the greatest gift we can give ourselves is 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 presence. But 
you can't be present if all this stuff is floating around and you're being hijacked every five minutes from all kinds of sources. Right. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's the key. And that's when, you know, you, you mentioned the term breaking the loop. Is that what that is? Absolutely. Cause then you see the loop and you're like, okay, here it is. I remember I interviewed uh, another Canadian and he's, he's probably, he's quite well known if you're on any, on the calm meditation app or 10% happier, uh, a guy by the name of Jeff Warren, he's in the book as well. And, uh, I think he's from Waterloo, Toronto area. And I, this, this will always stick. He was talking about anxiety and he's, he used this example of, he said, it's like, you know, it's like if you're at a party and you know, Joe comes walking in the door, anxious Joe comes in and, and, and worries Susan comes in and it's like, Oh, there they are. You can come in, you can have, you know, one drink or a cocktail or whatever, but you're not staying the whole party, mm. you know? And so it's, you're acknowledging it's there. It's not, again, it's not masking or pushing the stuff down, but you're not letting it take over the whole evening or the whole situation. And even just thinking about in that, in that way with a little bit of humor lightens the situation in general. Right. So it's all these little things, right. That they're they're like mental gymnastics. Somebody can score a touchdown on you during the regular season, but come the playoffs, you should have a defense set up for that play. So they don't score on you. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I always, anybody listens to this show knows I talk, I came from a safety background and there was unconscious incompetence and there was conscious incompetence, which you said, you're like, oh my God, I'm like, am I going, you know, something wrong here? But maybe it was always that way. You just didn't know you were unconsciously, you know, now you're consciously incompetent and then you become consciously, you know, competent and then unconsciously competent. It's this whole process. But I do think that, you know, that first step, just getting comfortable with being uncomfortable is really important for people when it comes to their mental health. You know, we're starting to wind down here now, but you know, we so much content we could literally talk for hours and hours but you know what would you leave people with uh, as we start to wind down i mean i think the biggest thing is is to to approach any of these these practices or anything we've been talking about from a place of 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 just pure curiosity and have fun with it you know like don't they don't come into this with judgment and and whatnot like just just like physical exercise i mean try a few things see what works and if it doesn't then just do something else right yeah. but you know just just come in with a, an open mind that first of all most of these practices have have literally been around since the beginning of time so they've they've stood the test of the time uh when it comes to questions and in my case the socratic method which in its simplest form ask a big question and ask follow-up questions to get even more clear also been around since the beginning of time we all use it we just don't typically use it consciously or with intention so my invitation is 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 just to start paying attention or more attention to the questions that you're asking or not asking yourself, because that just leads to, you know, beautiful path and, and a place that, again, I think we all deserve to, to feel good and that we're thriving and that we're on a path that, you know, we want to be versus on someone else's. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's great. There's very, very good words of advice for people. And I think that, you know, tools are also really important. So if people want to look up your podcast or, or find your book or, or reach out to you on your website, how can they get a hold of you? The simplest way is, is behind the human.com. The, you'll see the podcast there. There's also a tab up there that's called tools, bunch of free resources uh, to help you get you started. Uh, the book is there, of course, and the socials and, and I'm accessible. I mean, shoot, shoot a message on or tag me on, on the socials, like just drop a question that has been really 
uh, impactful for you or helped you during a big life pivot or in, you know, even the daily, you know, uh, your daily reflection. And I'll reshare all that because um, there's there's definitely someone on the other side that can benefit from a question that that has helped you. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, I've benefited from our conversation today. This is, I've got the best job in the whole world to interview people like yourself. And I get to gain while everybody else does as well. So I, I really appreciate you taking time on your busy schedule to join us. Oh, thank you. I mean, it was an honor. Like I said, I mean, I'll, I'll be exiting the booth uh, as I already am with a huge smile on my face. And uh, I hope we get to meet in person one, one day. I mean, I'd like to come to you because I'd like the water. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let me know. Oh, Newfoundland in the summer is the best time. I'll see you then. Yeah, Thanks again, absolutely. man. Thank you to Mark for joining us today. It's been a pleasure to explore his journey and gain insights into what makes successful individuals tick. We learned about Mark's passion for learning, his dedication to growth, and his belief in training our own mental fitness like we would our physical fitness. We also discussed the importance of being intentional about the stories we tell ourselves and how we can cultivate a growth mindset to achieve our goals. Now, as we wrap up, I encourage you to check out Mark's podcast, Behind the Human, where you'll find in-depth conversations with inspiring individuals from all walks of life. Well, thank you for joining me today. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Wall. We'll see you back here next week for another episode of The Wall Show on your VOCM.